Well, I, I turned that big 5-0 yesterday. Yep, hers I did. Yep, yep. And this little card on this thing says, if you don't like it, I get to hit you with my cane. Okay. It's a little hard to honk horns and hold microphones and all that. Okay, yeah, we'll put that on. Okay, well, I do have one card I want to read because all of you didn't send me one. So I only have one. It's from my lovely, beautiful wife. It says, 50s when you start asking yourself life's big questions. Like, why did I come into this room? I knew a minute ago. And then my beautiful wife says, Dear Randy, I'm only with you. I'm only with you. Gotta get the glasses and focus. I'm okay. There it is. I'm okay with growing old together and forgetting the little stuff. But it'll be a problem, though, if you forget my name, too. Love, Mabel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, dearie, thanks. Okay. Primal life. It's, get the, it's, uh, it's, it's only uphill from here, they say. No, I mean, whatever. Oh, this is Clara. We, you already said that. Just to make sure. Actually, Mabel's a, a kind of a joke between us. When I was in my 20s, I would play around with, well, Mabel, when we're old and over the hill, and we finally got there. Anyway, all right. So, I have a question for you. What do you want to be when you grow up? Now, I'm not talking just to the children and the teenagers. I'm talking to you and me too. What do you want to be when you grow up? John Wimber, one of the founders of the Vineyard Church, used to say he hoped he would grow up before he grew old. I wonder what he meant by that. I could ask the question maybe a little bit differently. What do you want to be remembered for? You know, like when people die and they're reminiscing over you and your life. What is it that you'd want to be remembered for? He was a great father. He was a great soldier. She was a great mother. She was a great musician. I'd like you just to ponder that. And in your programs, you'll find the Vine notes. And on there, there's a question which says, What do you want to be remembered for? And I would invite you to take a moment and write down a sentence. And hand it to your partner so that they know what to put on your gravestone. No, just kidding. Take a minute, if you would. I'm going to give you a moment. I'd like you to reflect on that. What would you like to be remembered for? Go. It's on the vine notes, just the regular old vine notes. We don't have pens. That would be helpful. We got anybody back there that can help with pens?
tests will be turned in at the end. Grades given out. Turn to somebody near you and just share with them what that is that you'd like to be remembered for. All right, in Matthew 5:48, Jesus gave us a pretty tall order when it comes to what he would like us to become. Jesus said to his listeners uh, and to us, Be ye perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Now, I don't know about you, where you're on this, but I'm not very perfect. Ask my family. I'm pretty sure... It's going to be pretty tough for me ever to get there. But let me offer you some hope on this. The word translated perfect in this verse and translated that way in about 13 of the 15 translations that I have on my computer is the Greek word teleos. It's translated in other places mature or complete. And it carries in it the meaning of having reached its end wholeness or having arrived and is in my opinion probably best translated in most cases by the word complete or whole and if that's the case what might Matthew 5:48 sound like if it had those words in them instead Matthew 5:48 be ye complete even as your father in heaven is complete <coughs> be ye whole even as your Father, which is in heaven, is whole. Now, here's my point. I believe the point of the Bible is that God is not looking for us to be perfect, as most of us might define that word, but God's desire is for us to be healed, mended, made whole, complete. We come into the world as broken people, incomplete in our natural human state. But God desires and has made possible for us to be healed and whole, even as our Heavenly Father is whole and complete. The last month or so, we have been talking about living life on purpose. And to help us think of ways that we're to live with purpose, we have been looking at our own church's purpose statement, which says, Vineyard Church of San Antonio exists to love God and love others by helping one another fulfill their destiny through the lifelong process of encountering God, experiencing friendships, embracing wholeness, and expanding community. Fulfilling our destiny through the lifelong process of four key elements. Encountering God, which has to do which direction of our life? Up, upward. Experiencing friendships, which has to do with direct, what direction do we talk about it here? I- inward the connected relationships, experiencing friendships. Embracing wholeness has to do with the direction of what we call forward and then expanding community which has to do with the direction of our life outward, going out to others. Last week Mariana was teaching and I was thinking, you know, there's two other directions that we could go with our lives. What might those be? Around and around and around. I didn't think of that one. I kind of thought of backward 
and downward. I don't think I want to go either one of those places, so I like these other four. Anyway, I want to talk uh, this morning about embracing this morning, this afternoon. I've been saying that for 11 years. That is just really hard. It's not in my notes, but really hard not to say that. Anyway, uh, I'm going to talk about embracing wholeness and uh, pressing ahead and moving forward. So before we head there, though, let's pray. God, I thank you that you have invited us and made provision for us to be whole and complete. Perhaps not fully seen here in this mortal shell, but someday, beholding you, then we will be fully transformed. But even now, we thank you that you are in that process of transformation, sanctification, healing, mending. And I ask that you would help us today as we consider and contemplate and look at this element of our life of moving forward to be able to adequately assess how we're doing and where we're going. Do we have a plan? So I just welcome you to help us to hear your voice, to understand your heart, to be encouraged and motivated to move ahead with you. Father, I pray for our guests that are here, that have come uh, in a search today, uh, whether that be for friends, whether that be for you, whether it be for a family. I ask that your Holy Spirit would meet them and encounter them and that they would find what they're looking for. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're a follower of Jesus or someone who would call yourself a Christian, I would suspect that you would probably agree with me that the goal of the Christian life is to be like Jesus. But how many of us have that as an ideal rather than a practice? An ideal is something we hold up as a standard of belief, but if it's not something we practice, then we're being hypocritical. And that's what many people outside the church say Christians are. They're a bunch of hypocrites, people who espouse one thing but do something else. Now, I might say something a little different than that. What I would probably say is that as Christ followers, we espouse what we should be or even what we would like to be, but we're broken. In fact, many of us are shattered. And the issue in my mind, and again I believe in the mind of God, is not that we're broken or that we are not whole. The issue is, are we becoming more whole? Are we pursuing healing and embracing wholeness? I know many of you are. And I know that many of you are pursuing that. One person in our church who is doing that and pursuing wholeness is a young man named Matt Porter. And I've asked Matt to come on up to share with us a bit of what that process of moving forward has looked like for him. Matt uh, was brought by a friend uh, to one of our community groups just a little over 13 months ago or thereabouts, right before Easter. A week later, I think he brought somebody else, and we had a little trio of friends coming around, and God uh, met them last year, and it's been uh, a ride, I think, since then. So, Matt, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Um, it was certainly an interesting trip getting to where I am today. I can say that with, yeah. Um, 
before I was a Christian, I had been into just about everything else except following God. I had bounced around every other religion. I had been looking for something. I wasn't sure what. And saying I was broken would be putting it mildly. Shattered would definitely be a better word. I was um, prone to stressful outbreaks, lack of sleep, although that might have been the caffeine I guzzled, but whole other story. Um, I was I was not a person who was happy with who I was. I was definitely unhappy, yeah, unhappy. And when I uh, came to the church for the first time, it had I had been saying, okay, I'll give this God thing a try for about six months. I hadn't been on speaking terms with God in my whole life. I'd never really known him. But I got to the church, and that first day I felt, it's hard to describe, it was um, life-changing for one thing. It was a sense of just God meeting me where I was. Since then, I am proud to say that I have kicked almost all of my bad habits that were unpleasing to God. Um, even the ones I thought I would never change. Um, one of the people who has helped me in my walk to Christ, um, I, we were at community group, and he, I had mentioned something about nothing will ever change my taste in music. He pulled me aside and said, well, I want you to try. You know, because I've, I've said the same thing, and that was totally untrue. And I thought, no, 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 that'll never happen. It'll never work. I'm too set in my ways. And here I am a year later going, I don't listen to half this stuff anymore. If that. Um, I, um, like I said, I was involved in several things that were bad. Piracy, for one. I have since deleted, deleted about 4,000 songs. And don't have anything I don't legally own. Um, but... For the pressing ahead, it was, I got to experience a very um, cleansing ministry called Freedom in Christ recently, and it's been described as spiritual house cleaning. And at first, when I first looked at it and first flipped through the packet, I was scared. I was, I, I was going, there's no way I can do this. But once I got into it and I got started, it was the first day I felt 10 pounds, 20 pounds lighter afterwards. And it was truly probably the most life-changing event I have ever experienced. I'm proud to say that I am... It's a climb, I think, walking with God. It's, it's more of a climb. It's all uphill, but <laughs> the view from the top is... <laughs> is un... It's unparalleled, and I'm proud to say I can look down and see where I was, and I'm a lot higher up, and I'm very glad to be there. Yes, honey, that sounds like a good one. So what does pursuing healing and embracing wholeness look like. There's a wonderful passage in the book of Ephesians where the Apostle Paul talks about this. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11-13, passage we've looked at, but 
uh, want to look at in this context as well one more time. God has given to the church some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ until we attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature people to the measure of the full stature of Christ. Let's look at a few items from this. Firstly, God has given church leaders for the purpose of equipping saints. The word translated equipping in this passage has as its root meaning to mend, to prepare or to make ready to fulfill its purpose and assignment. It's the same word that was used in the Gospels and New Testament when it said that the fishermen were mending their nets. They were making them ready to be able to catch fish. That word equipping has to do with this element of helping us be healed, fix the holes, as well as get ready for that which God has designed us for. Fishermen repaired, mended, made their nets ready to fulfill the purpose for which they were created, that of catching fish. Listen to Matthew 4, 18-22, where it says, Now as Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, equipping their nets. Mending. And he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Notice in this passage, Jesus approaches these four men who understood that their career, that their purpose on earth was to be that of being fishermen. And Jesus says, hey, like dudes, uh, kind of a fishy career, don't you think? How about coming with me and I'll teach you a thing or two. Uh, Let me show you my business. Jesus understood that these uh, men's final career was not to be a fisherman. God had more significant plans for them. But they didn't become successful Christians or Christian leaders overnight. Just read the Gospels. All they knew was catching fish. They were rather smelly guys. They had to be retained, retrained, cross-trained to become fishers of men. One time Jesus and his disciples went through a village that didn't welcome Jesus. And Luke tells us in Luke 9, and when his disciples, James and John, two of the top 12, right, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? Then, just as Elijah did. But he turned and rebuked them and said, you don't know what manner of spirit you are of, for the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. The disciples, like us, were broken. And they needed God's healing and mending in order for them to fulfill their purpose and destiny in life. Look with me as well again at this Ephesian passage. God has given to the church some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of faith, the knowledge of the Son of God to mature people to the measure of the full stature of Christ. Notice what Paul says is to be the outcome of of mending and equipping that God intends for us. Let's look at those elements. Second, for the work of service. It's the word diakony, which means ministry or service. All of us are called to the ministry, to service in Christ. All of us are called 
to be full-time ministers for him. This is not just something that's for some elite. We are all called. Thirdly, for building up the body of Jesus. God wants his church to be buff, not dumpy or wimpy. He wants his church built up, made strong, so that we will come into unity. Unity, oneness, one accord in our relationship with God. A family, a temple, a body of Christ. Not an independent faith as it is often made, but a unified faith. Not a religion of independence, but one of interdependence. Working together rather than pulling apart. Fifthly, to be mature people, teleos, complete and whole. Sixthly, to grow up to be just like Jesus. Talking like he talked, acting like he acted, doing what he did, loving like he loved. And the goal of our embracing wholeness then is that we would be holy and complete people. Holy, holy. Fully functioning in the role and the assignments that God has created us for. So as a part of our churches facilitating this equipping process this June, uh, starting next week, right, Claire? We are going to be launching what we're calling Equipping for Purpose. And each month we're going to have one of the teachers from our church. We have some wonderfully gifted teachers. And they're each going to present a class for that month. If it's a four-week month, they'll teach for four weeks. If it's a five-month week, they'll teach for five Sundays. They're going to be teaching and touching on topics that are intended to equip us for life and purpose. The class is going to be right here. They'll probably be in one of the classrooms rather than the main room as the band will be rehearsing here during that time. It's going to meet from 2.30 to 3.30, one hour each afternoon on Sundays. And you'll find a, a brochure in your program about it that highlights, kind of gives you a description. It shows you what's going to be happening in June and July. We've got it already uh, basically filled out all the way through November. And then we have, uh, uh, there's a blue sheet in here that has the titles on it. And we would like just kind of an idea from you of what your interest might be. We kind of, you know, we have different size classrooms here and we want to be somewhat prepared and, and know that we'll always have more space. But we would like you to fill this out right now. If you would just look at each one of these, what might you imagine coming to? on the classes that are here, if, if any. Some of you, it wouldn't work for you to get here at 2.30. It's okay. We understand. This is extra. This is above and beyond. This is an opportunity for you to be equipped for purpose. So if you just take a minute, and on the back, as you complete it, there will be a spot there for you also to let us know if you would need child care. How many and for what ages? That will also help us to know if we need to provide that and how much of that we need to provide. And then the last little thing is kind of a, a, a blank little lines. Is, it, is there something in your heart that you would like us to equip you for? Some topic, biblical topic, would there be uh, some interest area that you've wondered about for quite a while? Is there a particular biblical book that you would like some help with? You can see, obviously, from what we're offering that we've, we've already kind of predetermined a few things that we're going to offer out of the passions of our teachers. Uh, but as we expand this, 
we'll have opportunities to go further and to be able to consider some of those elements of things that would be uh, within your passions and needs and interests for equipping. So if you would just take a minute, it should take you just really quickly. You would just fill that out. Did everyone get one? Does anyone need one that uh, would like one to fill it out? I stole yours. That's why you don't have it. Her little program was up there and I went, aha, I need that. Okay, how about you pass those into the center aisle? And Rick, would you help me by just grabbing them as we go? If you want to take another minute while I'm teaching and fill it out and you can write and think and listen all at the same time like most of you probably can, that's okay. Throughout the New Testament, various uh, Greek writers uh, and, excuse me, throughout the New Testament, there's a variety of Greek words uh, that speak about natural human development that are used to parallel spiritual development. Many of the stages of natural growth, there's also an equivalent spiritual stage of growth. Touched on this material in the past, <coughs> but in the context of moving forward and thinking about the path for moving forward, I wanted to touch on this again so that we'd all kind of be on the same page. I want to conclude this morning by looking at these uh, various stages. And as we do, I'd like you to be considering where are you in your growing up process. I turned 50. Yay, yay, yesterday. But where am I in my spiritual development? That's really the question. We're going to be looking at some labels that parallel human natural development. But where are you in the spiritual development? The very first is brephos. This is newborn baby or nursing infant. Newborn babies are wonderful, wonderful things. But they're also very helpless. They're totally dependent upon others. It's the time of the development of intimate relationships with their parents. Major characteristic of newborns is that they eat often and a lot. Babies grow at an incredible rate compared to their size, and they need very special newborn food. Mom's milk, formula. They also sleep and dirty their diapers. And they can't do anything about that. It's what they do at this stage. Now, spiritual newborns are also an amazing wonder, but they too are very vulnerable and dependent. They need to be very connected with God and other mature Christians, uh, small groups, key relationships with other mature Christians is very, very crucial. Again, imagine a, a human baby that doesn't have those kinds of connected relationships. What happens? They would die. In a similar and parallel way, a brand new newborn Christian needs connection or they too maybe won't die, but they definitely will wither. Spiritual newborns also need to eat often and a lot. Like natural babies, they're growing from knowing nothing to being introduced to thousands of new concepts. I've spent uh, time with Matt, <coughs> a couple of others of our 
young, uh, younger Christians, and I remember meeting with him on a weekly basis. And, you know, everything was just brand new as we talked about various Christian topics, various Christian elements of life. And uh, it, it's refreshing from my standpoint to be with someone because he was hungry. He, he, was, he was interested. He was, give me more of it. And he has uh, really evidenced himself. He's been a part of a community group ever since day one when he came in the church. He's now a part of one of the captain leadership teams of that, even as a, a one-year-old in Christ, because he has been pursuing the kind of spiritual life that we're talking about here. Spiritual uh, newborns are highlighted in 1 Peter 2.2. 2. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow into salvation. And we've suggested this in the past. A good place for spiritual newborns is the four Gospels, where they can get to know what Jesus is like. They can learn about how he views and cares for others and have his relationship with God. Newborn babies, spiritual ones, also dirty their diapers. And they need loving and mature Christians to help them get cleaned up because they can't do that on their own. But newborn babies are supposed to grow up. It would be rather unnatural and rather sad for them to always stay at that stage. So there's a second one, which is nepios, which means toddler or immature and highlights not fully talking. It's the baby stage from, say, three months to three years. After a few months, babies can sometimes add soft foods to their diet, but they still have a lot of things done for them. If they're hungry, they know how to cry. They can't cook a meal yet for themselves. They dirty their diapers. They're still messy. They need someone else's help. They're beginning, though, to become more mobile. In the early stages, they're crawling, and eventually there's faltering steps, but uh, they're not ready to play NBA basketball yet. So, what, was that, what would that look like at a spiritual level? Spiritual toddlers do a lot of whining and complaining. They know how to cry. They are fairly focused on themselves, not all that thoughtful yet about the needs of others. They have to go to other people for their food. It's still mostly milk for a long time because they can't yet endure, the scripture says, or stomach solid foods. When they get dirty and messed up, someone still has to come and clean them up. They do like the cuddling and the mothering side of God, but they don't really like the discipline or the training side yet. Remember the two-year-olds that you have known in your life. They can be a little rebellious as well. Spiritual toddlers still don't produce much. They don't honestly often read their Bibles. They don't pray hardly sometimes. They do a lot of crying to God and uh, sometimes they don't serve or give. They're at a stage where they're taking. Life is all about them. And sadly many churches in America are full of nepio. Baby Christians who have never grown up and matured beyond looking to others to do everything for them. In the Bible, the Corinthian church was a little bit like this. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. Brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to mature Christians. I had to talk as though you belonged to this world or as though you were babies in the Christian life. I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food, because you couldn't handle anything stronger. And you still aren't ready, for you are still controlled by your own sinful desires. But... Healthy 
toddlers grow up into children, as God intends them to do. And they move beyond the self-centered stage and from that into new stages. Third is the Padawan. This is the child. It is one who is under training or discipline. That's from this word. We get the word pediatrics or Padawan learner from Star Wars. That's this word. In the noun form, it means, uh, excuse me, in the noun form, in the verb form, it means to chasten. It also means someone who is under training or discipline. In the natural, it's maybe ages 3 to 12. Um, It reflects someone being trained to obey, someone being trained to submit to authority, to receive. It is a good thing. Children in school, they're learning lots of things. There's relational learning at the home with those in school and neighborhood. There's now learning to share, to give to others. They have to learn to share toys. They've got other siblings. They're having to work out those kinds of relationships. They're beginning to learn responsibility for themselves, to participate in the family and have maybe some small chores or small jobs around the house. Their food now is much beyond milk. They, they can almost eat anything that an adult does, but they prefer simple things like hot dogs and macaroni and cheese, fruit loops, ice cream and candy. <laughs> Children still need to be watched and cared for. They easily get into squabbles and fights with one another. Been to churches where that's happening? They often get hurt and bruised and need tender loving care. Spiritual children are also those who are being trained. There's relational learning. There's mutual care and giving. There's learning to be responsible for others. They can now read. They should be spending time studying, memorizing God's word. They should not be looking only for others to feed them, but they should be able on their own now to begin to feed spiritually. Though they are still in a significant learning posture, they are also capable of studying deeper things. And they'll still tend, though, towards the lighter things. Spiritual children are those who receive discipline. Now, typically in our culture, when we say the word discipline, we think of punishment. But discipline is not only punishment. Um, In the military, I think, is a, a good place where we recognize